Hello and welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the clean tech industry and the people that power it, brought to you by Brightsmith. I'm your host, Jenny Gladman, and for this third season, I'm delighted to have a co-host on the podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben Sparks, and across the podcast, Jenny and I will be interviewing leaders, innovators, and forward thinkers and entrepreneurs around the world to explore the opportunities, challenges, and rewards of working in clean tech. From transforming transport systems to accelerating the EV revolution, in this series, we'll be exploring the pioneering technology at the cutting edge of future mobility, helping to connect us in the cleaner, greener world of tomorrow. In addition to offering some tokens of wisdom to enlighten, engage and inspire everyone to live their purpose every single day. So we are very proud to host Amy. Um, Amy currently holds the position of Vice President of Fleet Solutions at a company that I'm sure we've all heard of, a company called Blink Charging. Um, we're very excited to have Amy on the podcast. Not only is she working for a, a leader in the EV charging space, uh, however, I was super excited to understand a bit more about her career that has kind of seen her grow through the ranks of fleets and fleet sales, um, even before um, we saw that uh, everything was was electric. So, uh, Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No, cool. So, um, you know, we touched on a bit about your role there, but um, I'm sure our listeners would love to know a bit more about you. So tell us a bit about yourself and your current responsibilities and maybe who Blink are as well. Sure. Uh, so Amy Doberkova, VP of Fleet Solutions for Blink Charging. Uh, Blink is a global company. It's been in business since 2009. I've been with them almost a year now. Um, and my focus is really to just grow our commercial fleets um, globally. And my background has always been in electrification, whether it's with startups or with large companies like Cummins and, and Parker Hannafin. Um, and so I love the uh, entrepreneurial roller coaster that comes with this industry. Awesome. So um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, your journey. Um, when we were talking initially, you know, you've held a number of different roles that definitely seen things layer on top of each other throughout your career. And um, I was really interested in some of the uh, the moves you've made as well. But yeah, I'll let, I, I won't spoil it. T- tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Sure. So um, I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. So going back to, you know, third grade, I was selling things on the playground. And um, <laughs> when I went to college, I studied business and I was already running a business, not even knowing what I was doing. Um, and I just, I just love that entrepreneurial life. And um, I had the opportunity to, to work for a startup automotive company that was producing an electric vehicle for fleets. I didn't even know what fleets were at the time. Um, and that company really launched my career. Um, and I got into sustainability and started learning about the industry. And it's amazing to see the growth from 2008 till today. It's actually amazing the progress that we've made as a, as a country. Awesome. So we, we touched on Blink as an organization earlier. Um, I'd love to kind of maybe dig into that a little bit. Um, Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about, you know, I suppose specifically about how Blink are positioned in the market and maybe some of the headwinds and tailwinds you're you're seeing? Obviously, we are reading a lot about fleet electrification at the moment, but I think sometimes, you know, what gets lost are the organizations that are driving that change. So, and I know Blink is one of them. So, yeah, I'd love to know a bit more about the organization. 
Yeah, I think Blink is a phenomenal company. Um, we're really teeing ourselves up to be a global EV infrastructure provider. Um, you know, Blink was one of the early adopters in the industry from 2009, and they started installing chargers before, you know, there was that many vehicles to plug in. Um, you know, we're out now in the phase that we're out upgrading a lot of those older chargers with new technology and new connectivity in our new network. Um, and so I think, you know, we just acquired SemiConnect. Um, we've acquired several companies um, in in Europe and UK, et cetera. So from my perspective, there's a great global fleet opportunity where we can be the one source supplier in EV charging infrastructure um, across multiple countries on one network as well. So Amy, your job title, VP of Fleet Solutions at Blink. Um, I'm curious as to what that entails and can you give our listeners an overview of what you do day to day and some of your responsibilities within Blink. Sure. So um, as vice president of fleet solutions, um, providing solutions for fleets uh, in EV infrastructure, um, my responsibility is um, from a global perspective. So working with a lot of the global fleets, uh, commercial fleets in the, in the states, as well as government, local municipalities, um, you know, fleet is pretty broad perspective uh, from police cars all the way up to class eight semi trucks. And so um, my day to day is just um, building a lot of partnerships with a lot of the OEs that are producing electric vehicles for fleets, working with uh, commercial fleets, government fleets, municipalities, um, and really trying to provide that one stop shop solution by working with Blink. So with the global approach, you know, we're in multiple countries, we have support globally, um, we have one network that will support um, all different countries, and then just really overall growing Blink's brand and, and into the fleet market. Awesome. And and we hear that a lot, especially when we look at EV charging, people in business development roles, which are effectively partnership roles. Um, um, what does that actually mean to be sort of fostering these partnerships with the demographics you mentioned, the OEMs, the municipalities, et cetera? Um, it's important to work with um, everyone that's a part of the, the, the process, right? So when you're a fleet and you're going to going electric, you know, you first of all, what vehicles are you going to be buying? Uh, how am I going to charge it? How am I going to service it? Um, how am I going to keep operations running so that those vehicles stay fully charged and are on the road um, doing their job? And so it's really going to take a lot of partnerships um, with every player in the industry, working with utilities, right, expediting as much as we can um, and just really making it a seamless process for the fleet. So they're not so overwhelmed um, because, you know, they've only known IC engines for most of their career. And now we're converting those to electric and there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to have to learn from. I'm sure they're just very up for doing that. I'm sure there's no pushback whatsoever. So um, it sounds like you're at the, um, the center of the, the ecosystem by the sounds of it. Yeah. I mean, you have your early adopters, you have your laggards. It's just, it's okay. We'll work with those that are early adopters and, you know, and those that are, are willing to, to do the transition. Awesome. Sounds like you're at the center of the change. So good, good job with that. And sort of looking at some of the, the, the targets that the U.S. has um, around um, EVs and EV charging, um, what are some of the, 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 the challenges that Blink, I suppose, are, are working to overcome in, in, in helping the U.S. kind of get to those goals? 
Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of challenges. You know, you've got utility companies um, you're working with, um, you're, you know, a lot of competition, but I think there's enough for all of us to play in this space. Um, You know, common things we hear is, is there enough power with the grid? Um, And, you know, looking back, I've heard stories of, you know, the same debate going on when everybody wanted air conditioners in their home, right? So obviously the utilities adjusted and adapted for the growing demand. um, And now people have multiple (laughs) air conditionings in in their homes, right? So I do think that the utilities are doing a great job. Um, and there's also sustainable power that, um, you know, they're onboarding that's going to help with some of those demands. Uh, supply chain, you know, has been up and down in this industry. Uh, long lead times, especially in DC fast charging. I think Blink took a really strategic approach um, and made sure that we diversified our, our products um, and diversified, you know, where we're getting product and supportive products and so forth so that, you know, if another you know, unfortunate Ukraine issue happens, right? (laughs) You have backup plans and multiple sources. Um, One of the biggest reasons we acquired SemiConnect was that um, they have American uh, manufacturing, which is going to be vital with infrastructure funding that's out there. So, you know, Blink has taken a lot of very smart strategic moves in that. And obviously, you know, being a, a startup, even though you're going through sort of large amounts of acquisition, I'm, I'm guessing that's going to be a bit of a roller coaster. What, what are some of the key learns you've had over the last kind of couple of years what, since, you've, since you've been in this role? Well, working from st- first startups, I don't believe Blink is still a startup. Um, you know, they've made a lot of progress, um, very well capitalized and, um, you know, Working in the early days of this industry where you didn't know if you were going to get a paycheck, right? Like that's to me the startup, right? That's proper. That's a real startup, yeah. It's a real startup and it's, you know, but those people that have persevered and endured are the ones that are reaping the harvest now that, you know, company is funded and so forth. So I wouldn't look at Blink as a startup. I mean, we're literally growing and becoming a global leader. Awesome. So on that note, um, you know, we, we, when people think, you know, clean tech and, and EV charging specifically, that startup, you know, does, does come to mind. Um, you obviously worked in both worlds, in corporate, in not startup as Blink and, and also pure startup. What would be some of your advice to someone that's maybe thinking about coming into the clean tech industry and, and navigating where they should land? You know, because I'm, I'm, I'm guessing it's a special kind of individual that can add value in each of those. And, and, and what would your advice to them be? Yeah, I think it's important to know what you believe, what your passions are. Um, so coming into the clean tech industry, I mean, maybe you grew up in a certain area um, that, you know, there's there's a sole purpose for why you believe in what you believe in, right? And I think it's important to learn about all the different solutions and then kind of see where you want to go. I mean, I dabbled a little bit in CNG. I dabbled a little bit in propane you know, um, in, you know, emissions reduction, I I tested a lot of different technologies. And I do believe electrification is a strong, um, you know, advocate moving forward. Um, But there's a place for all technologies as well. So it really just depends on the person's, you know, overall passions and goals. Um, One of the greatest advice anyone ever gave me was um, Chelsea Sexton from Who Killed the Electric Car. Um, I met with her at one of the companies I worked with and I said, do you have any advice for me? I was young and I was ambitious, you know, starting out my career. I said, do you have any advice for me? And she said, go hang out with the engineers. 
go learn as much as you can. And so I would stay after work. I would go in the lab and I would learn as much as I can from engineers. And it just, that helped me formulate my belief in what I was selling and in an electrification specifically. And that, that knowledge and that passion is infectious, isn't it? As, as you're it is. It is. You know, you, that, that's a really interesting point. I, I think I was going to save it to a bit later, but um, I'll talk about it now. You know, looking back over your kind of career, um, what, what would you say are some of the big tipping points you've made? And, and the reason I'm asking is, you know, we, we see people moving into the sector. We also see people that are being accelerated, um, no pun intended, into leadership roles quite, quite rapidly now because companies are scaling. So, you know, as someone who's done that journey, um, you know, wh- where would you see your biggest tipping points in your career? And, and maybe looking back, what would be some of the advice you'd give to yourself during those moments? I think I was always willing to be open to hearing out opportunities. Um, I had a lot of um, senior leadership that believed in me, helped me see my value in their organization. And I think over the years, that's why, you know, they would contact me when they had a position open, or maybe they would refer me to, you know, another company that is looking for someone with my expertise. Um, And so over the years, I would just say, you know, know, know your value and, and, and be open to new opportunities. I think people are like, well, this is not in my plan. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna look into it. Well, do you think anybody grew up and said, this is what, you know, are you doing what you thought you were going to do when you were a kid? Probably not. Right. (laughs) And so just being open to what doors are open. And sometimes these doors open and you, they don't work out and that's okay because you're going to learn something from that or you're going to meet someone that you worked with that's going to have an everlasting impression on you. So nothing is wasted. And I know, I, I believe a couple of your moves were along those lines. There were people you met that later on, you know, came came to be at the forefront. So no, that's awesome. And, and you mentioned you've got a, 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 you've always had a passion for, for entrepreneurialism and, and also fleets. Um, you know, it seems like you're someone that's definitely been living their purpose throughout a lot of your move. What, what does that actually mean to you, living your purpose? Um, you know, just really, uh, I appreciate God's given earth. And, you know, we really should take care of it and leave it better than we found it. And I think, um, you know, the more I've been in this industry, it's going to take a lot of different players. It's going to take a lot of different technologies and solutions. Um, but, you know, everybody plays a part. And, you know, we want to leave the earth better than we found it and pass it on to a legacy to our children and our children's children, et cetera. Awesome. So obviously, you know, as, as pe- we see people navigate into clean tech and into um, EVs from other sectors, um, I know kind of people are, are coming into the sector in different ways now. Um, some people are finding it on purpose. Some people find it by accident. Um, I know a couple of your moves kind of came to you. I'd love to know more a bit about, bit about those in, in the past. If you could share with our audience, that'd be great. Um, yeah. So um, when I first started, uh, one of my roommates in college got me connected with a startup company. And um, once I was there, my first assignment was to profile the top 100 fleets, go out, learn everything I can about them. Um, and then, um, you know, investors came in and bought the technology and we got to launch a new platform um, and just you know, as I've grown in the industry and built relationships with fleets, then I've gotten calls from CEOs of major corporations that are saying, hey, we want to launch a a fleet program. We think you're the perfect person. Um, And so it really just kind of teed me up. And I'm honored that that they think of me when they think of fleet. (laughs) 
what do you um did you have to be kind of very purposeful around that or is it more of a kind of create your own luck and 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 create your own circumstance kind of scenario believe it's just um you know god orchestrating the steps of my life and you know he opens the doors he connects me with the right people and i think you know networking is so important in this industry everybody you meet there's a purpose for meeting that person um they could be somebody you're working with in the future they could be a future customer who knows um but there's a reason and i do appreciate um you know just connecting with like-minded individuals as well that all have the same purpose so Amy, we, we've talked about, you know, you've had those those opportunities in startups and scale ups and 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 corporate. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people are looking at startups and, and they're basing them on funding and they're not but they're still not really sure what the world of a startup actually means. Um, I know you've experienced some sort of some good and also some challenging times in startups. Um, are there any stories that come to mind that that you'd like to share with us that, that kind of you, you may, maybe show the good, the bad and the ugly? <laughs> startup world? Sure. So, I mean, my very first career job out of college was working for the startup um, automotive manufacturer. And, you know, when we first started, we had, you know, series A funding and a very, you know, slim team. But, um, you know, we were pursuing it and creating the plan and executing on that plan. And uh, we started raising money and we had several hundred millions of dollars, you know, committed and things were great. And then the markets crashed, right, in 2008. And we just lost a hundred, couple hundred million dollars of funding, right? And at that point, as a company, we're like, what do you do? Do we shut down? Do we keep going? And, you know, the leadership team said, we're going to keep going. And, and we ended up saying, well, we have the expertise. We have the engineering team. We have the technology. Let's create an engineering services firm. And we started doing consulting. We won some government contracts. We did some conversions for the Department of Defense um, and, you know, really kept our team employed. And we still were able, although our objective was to create a, a future fleet vehicle, you know, we it bought us some time when it came to developing new technology. So just because, you know, that roller coaster we were at the bottom doesn't mean you necessarily have to shut down. And um, we used our innovative resources and created this new solution, this new path, and, um, you know, really kept the team employed for several years through that through that difficult time in the recession. It's amazing. And, and, and so as you think back to that moment and you were making those pivots, how did that how did that feel? I mean, it was definitely scary. You know, I was a young mom at the time. You know, I had little ones and, well, you know, I didn't know if I was going to get a paycheck on Friday. Um, but, you know, the company came up, you know, creative ideas on, on how to, you know, spare cash. And, you know, so there's, there's those nights where you're like, I don't know if we're going to make it. And then something positive would happen. We'd get a win or we'd get some customer commitment or something that brought in some investment that kept us going. But, you know, I just kept holding on to my faith and not living in fear. And if the company closed, then God was going to open another door. And that has literally been my entire career path. So um, when the, one door closes, another one opens. Amazing. Amazing. And, and um, if you were sort of advising someone coming into that environment again, someone that's looking to maybe sort of consider the startup world, what, what are some of the, uh, the attributes that person would need to have to, because, you know, that, that, that's not for everyone, is it? You know, not everyone can be that. Let, let's, let's be honest. I, I would I would probably freak out and, and you know, <laughs> hide under my desk. 
um, what what's you know what, what attributes do people need to be able to sort of um, be successful in that kind of environment? I mean, I think it based on their, you know, personal household requirements, right? So my husband did work. So, you know, we could take a little bit of a risk. Um, I've always taken the risk. Um, You know, there's always been great reward with it. Um, But I think it's up to the person if they're, you know, like you said, it's not for everyone. And if you are, it's okay. If you don't, if you're not comfortable with startups, or you have that fear of not getting paid or something like that, then then that's probably not for you. But if you're saying, listen, I'm, you know, I'm open to opportunity. I see the potential, the future, maybe a future IPO, maybe a future stock options or whatever, and you believe in the company, then it's worth going out and fighting and and getting in at the ground floor. I mean, could you imagine if you, you know, worked at Tesla in the beginning and still there now? I mean, look how many people were successful from that. Um, And they persevered and they had hard times too. You see that in a lot of major companies, so... Awesome. So looking to the future, um, you know, if you have a, have a crystal ball, um, you know, when we look at EV and fleet specifically, and, and, and maybe even sort of specifically around infrastructure, what can you see in the future? You know, maybe, you know, for the next, let's say, five years out, if you can even think that far, but, um, you know, and, and, and also how are Blink going to play a pivotal part? So, I mean, statistics show that by 2030, 50% of the vehicles being produced by the manufacturers will be electric. You see leaders like GM, you know, saying we're going 100%, um, Tesla, et cetera. So, you know, as there's more electric vehicles coming to market, they're going to have to have charging, right? And I think when you look at the infrastructure plan that's out right now, um, I think one of the biggest reasons why people aren't going to elect- going electric is because of not having enough charging infrastructure. Um, And so we are full throttle trying to get as many chargers in the ground as possible. And Blink is actually one of the largest owner operators of our own equipment. We're vertically integrated. And that shows that we believe in our product. We believe in the future. And we see that residual income for charging as the future fuel. I love that. So it's, you know, you're very confident in in where things are going to go and Blink will be a front and center of that. Um, when we look at infrastructure, are, are there any kind of challenges from an infrastructure perspective that need to be overcome? You know, specifically, we we, we hear about where it's, where is it all going to go and, and where, where's the space going to come from? I think the, one of the challenges is just the long lead times. So, you know, with permitting processes and just getting, you know, we have inventory, we could ship product today, but right? It takes an electrician coming out, looking at available power, power upgrades if that needs to happen. Um, a lot of the newer buildings are spec for it, so that's not an issue. But when you start looking at older buildings, they're going to need more power. So all of that takes time. It takes permitting. It takes money. But as companies are building new facilities, they're thinking of EV charging and they're, and they're planning ahead. And those are the best because then we're ready to go. We can get chargers on the ground fairly quickly. Um, but I think if if our states and you know local agencies would really work on expediting permitting process, we can get chargers in the ground much quicker and start charging vehicles. Yeah, but look, this has been this has been fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time, Amy. If um, if people are making a move into the sector, what what kind of tokens of wisdom would you like to to leave them with? Now's the time. <laughs> Now's the time. Just do it. Now's the time. 
Yeah. It's a great industry to be in. And, you know, when you go to work every day, you know, you're doing something to help, right? You're doing something to better our environment. And I think that's, you know, that shows a lot of passion um, and gives you purpose when when you're working. We work more than we're home sleeping with our children, right? Or with our family. It's so you want to love what you do and you want to be passionate about it. That's brilliant. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time. I think it's a lovely place to leave it. <laughs> All right, great. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Conversation in Cleantech, brought to you by Brightsmith. If you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do so, it helps others find the show. For more information around how Brightsmith can help you build a sustainable future through identifying, attracting, retaining diverse talent, head over to brightsmithgroup.com. Join us next time for more conversations in cleantech.